Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy holidays, everybody, from the Sunbury Motor Studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Here today and tomorrow. Then I'll be in Orlando on Monday, but no show. Uh, of course, Tuesday's the game. Then uh, back in full gear on Wednesday. Tommy Stevens is out of the bowl game. Um, surgery uh, that occurred just after practice. I want to say he had it. It was last week, I think he had it. Um, he had done some work. And I remember saying something to Jack Ham about, you know what? I said he's doing less and less in practice. That's what made me wonder that they might do something. But uh, so he is out of the bowl game. Now, he might actually end up going to be on the sideline, but he's not down with the team right now. He's home. So that's where Tommy is right now. Uh, that means Sean Clifford is the backup quarterback. And for those who may be wondering, okay, who's third? Well, it's one of two guys. It's either Michael Schuster or Will Levis. You're saying, okay, in the in past years, I would have told you with absolute certainty that would be Michael Schuster. But that's different now. Will Levis has not played a down this season, which means he had four games to play in this year if they wanted. So if they ever needed a third quarterback, which you don't want them to see, you don't want to see them having to use Sean Clifford in the game. But remember, under the new rules, Will Levis could play this game and still maintain his uh, freshman eligibility. Just something to file away for later on. So, let's see. Today's show, I believe today's show is Mark Wogenrich. Is that correct? That is correct. Well, I'm at 335 today. And uh, he'll be our guest today. Tomorrow, we've got Rich Scarcella. We also have tomorrow Tom Leach, the play-by-play voice of Kentucky. We will have Eli Gold, the play-by-play voice of Alabama, as we talk about the matchup with Oklahoma Saturday, and then picks tomorrow. I, on my bowl picks, I am rolling. <laughs> Something like that, I guess. Right to the bottom of the abyss. <laughs> I'm I, Right now, I am the Cumberland Farms of picks. So I've been told to you, okay? so... This is our standings. Suit actually leads the way at 11 and 6. Sean is also 11 and 6. King is 10 and 7. And you, Steve, somehow, some way are 7 and 10. I'm almost to the Cumberland Farms of being 7 and 11. <laughs> <laughs> Cumberland Farms. Cumberland Farms time, 7 and 11. Oh, whoa, wee, hee, woo. <laughs> and it may be one tie because the. Um, no, that's just. That, 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 that game, game didn't happen the other day. That game won't, that game won't count. That game won't count. Well, no, it won't count because it doesn't count. And they're not even going to count the stats from it. Uh, it used to be in the old days, bold stats. I mean, there's so many absurdities in college football. One of them is bold stats didn't count forever. 
Really? It's a game. <laughs> now bowl stats count. Right? Forever. Bowl stats did not count. So, you know, Blair Thomas would run out. He'd go for 170-something yards in the Holiday Bowl against BYU. And it doesn't count in his career numbers. It doesn't count in his <laughs> Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner ran for like 480 yards in three bowl games. That doesn't count. <laughs> Who comes up with this stuff? Who thinks of these things? That's what, that's what gets me. It's a game. I don't think anybody could have made up what has happened with this bowl season between what happened last night and the and the Cheez-It Bowl and then the cancellation of the first responder bowl, too. Well, well, I've never seen anything like it. I really haven't. I'm pretty sure I picked TCU. I don't even know who the heck I picked. I'm pretty sure I picked TCU in that game, and I watched that game last night. I watched it. I sat there and watched the entire game. Nine interceptions. I watched it into overtime. <laughs> the game almost ended on a pick six in overtime. Right. That's That would have been just... But it would have been wiped out because of the sideline interference Right, play. exactly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been I a think, wild ball season. And I think it was somebody who was not a coach, a player, or whatever. I think it was actually one of the TCU administrators. Uh, from what I saw online, I believe it was either one of them or the exact sports information director that was on the sideline. I mean, it was in a tie. Like, uh, why are you standing there? Yeah, that blew me doing? away. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that was really, that's probably one of the more bizarre football games I've seen in quite some time. It would be every time somebody got something going, hey, it's intercepted. Or, hey, intercepted. Now they're point blank. No, they, they, they intercepted it the other way. Okay, great. <laughs> it was just bizarre land watching that game last night in Phoenix. Uh, now, and we've got Temple leading Duke 27-21 at halftime of this game. Uh, now I want to get into very quickly, and then we'll get back to Penn State football. I want to get into something that's very sad. Very, very sad. Uh, I don't know if any of you know the story of Josiah Vieira. Josiah Vieira, and we've talked about him before on the show. Josiah Vieira... Uh, had progeria. He loved, loved, loved baseball. And I want to tell you right now, his grandfather, Dave, is, to me, was a saint on this earth. Was a saint on this earth. And because the grandfather took him everywhere. Dave took him everywhere. Progeria means that your age of your body kicks into a completely different gear than everyone else. All right? Matt, how old are you? Uh, 25. 25. So Matt's 25, and his body is 25. Okay? Josiah was 14. He probably was the age, body-wise, of maybe somebody 80, 90. Because it just goes at an exponentially faster rate than everyone else. But he loved baseball. And he loved it so much that he was able to play Little League, and then it got to a point where he couldn't play anymore. But for whatever reason, 
he adopted the State College Spikes, and he lived down in the Reading area. Josiah lived in the, in the Reading area. He adopted the State College Spikes, and in part because the Spikes took him in. He would go. My goodness, let's see. There'd be thirty-eight. Right, there'd be thirty-eight games in the season at home. And of the thirty-eight games, I'm going to venture Matt that he would go to twenty of them. Twenty of them a year, maybe. That sounds Something about like right. That. Right. I remember seeing him and, in the dugout and being carried out um, after the oh, one spikes game that I did last summer. Absolutely no, because he was the honorary bench coach. Yep. He was the he was the bench coach. He'd come up in the booth, and I want to tell you, Joe Putnam, Joe Putnam, we always had JoJo on in the pregame show. And then he'd come up in the booth, and he'd do the middle three innings with, with Joe Putnam. And Joe Putnam, who's about as nice a person as there is on the face of the earth. Absolutely. All right? Was just great with him on the year. You know, I'd kid around with him on the year because you know me. I kid around with everybody, so I treated Josiah like everybody else. You know what I mean? I mean, I thought that was important to, to treat him like, you know, kid around with him a little bit. I call him the seer of all seer, the sage of all sages. And he go, ah, Steve. <laughs> right? And, and I loved him. Uh, and Josiah Vieira passed away Christmas Eve at the age of 14. He's finally out of pain. His last game, he only went to, I think, I want to say he went to three games maybe this year. Maybe it was only two. He was there opening night. And then the last one was the All-Star game. And at the All-Star game, they had a rule on pitching. You were, you were allowed to, th- to pitch no more than one inning. That was it. It's the All Star game. They don't want you out there. You don't want to blow somebody's arms out because you want to win the North South game. All right. Randy Alcantara of Williamsport, the Phillies affiliate, pitched the eighth inning. They then sent him back out there for the ninth. Now, they did it deliberately, and they had told us ahead of time what the plan was. And. Joe Cruzel, another person who's just an awesome guy. Joe Cruzel sent Josiah out to make the pitching change. They already had somebody warming up in the bullpen. All the players gathered around him. And the fans, five, 6,000 of them, got up and gave him a standing ovation to which he tipped his cap. That's awesome. It turns out that that would be the last time we'd see him in the ballpark. And it was late. Usually you get, because he has to start school and so forth. But we also knew he wasn't doing well this summer. He also was around Penn State football. He'd take in a game every year. James Franklin would carry Josiah in on his shoulders going into the stadium because he'd ride on the on the team bus on the way in. James would put him on his shoulders and take him in. He then usually he'd come up in the booth. You know, we have you know, we work a little stricter on uh, you know, the, the network has its own rules on people being on the air. 
you know, you know so it's more it's far more structured baseball's looser it's easier so we'd have Josiah on all the time but he come into the booth and of course Josiah was 38 inches high and so I would take him and I'd say hey Jojo come on up here I said come on and I'd I'd sit him down on my lap and I'd do the game while Josiah sat on my lap that way he could see the game you know let me tell you, there's two parts to this Josiah Vieira story that are very important. Well, I've already mentioned several key parts. What the Spikes have done, you know, Chuck Greenberg, Jason Dombach, um, Scott Walker, Joe Putnam. Okay, You can't do more than, than they did. can't. You can't do more than what James Franklin did. But there are two other parts of this Josiah Vieira story that are really important. Number one, if you get progeria, normally your lifespan is between 8 and 13 years of age, more toward the middle ground, obviously. Josiah made it to 14 and a half. His birthday was in May. Josiah made it to 14 and a half. I firmly believe that Josiah Vieira lived longer than the normal progeria victim because of sports, because of the State College spikes and because of Penn State football, because and especially the baseball part of it, because he spent more time around baseball than football. But he got into football, and James Franklin got into having Josiah around. But because of the spikes and Penn State football, I firmly believe Josiah Vieira live longer because he had something to look forward to and was made to feel important. Because he was important. And the people around him understood that and treated him as such. And I think that allowed him to live longer. Now here's the second part. He made better men out of 18 to 23-year-olds who were going forward with their life. Those players would take him to the batting cage. They'd bring him out to the field. They'd play catch with him. I'd go into the clubhouse, and all of a sudden I'd look, and there'd be a, there'd be a wiffle ball field in the clubhouse set up so they could play wiffle ball with Josiah in the clubhouse. Right? He'd be sitting there every single time eating the post-game spread with the players and the players talking to him, hey, Joe, hey, what about, hey, you know, all the time, never ignoring him, never passing him off, never blowing him off, never carrying him wherever he needed to be carried. I mean, Josiah certainly could walk, but it would be faster if he got carried. Josiah Vieira lived longer because of the State College spikes and also Penn State football. He also made better men, especially out of the spikes players, because he had much more contact with them. He made better men out of them. And the Cardinals end up with better men in their system because they developed a depth of caring and a heart where all the success they've had up to that point 
Yeah, I've got a 10-game hitting streak. Yeah, look at Josiah. You know what? Got to go back to work. I think it's it's a it's his story is more than just a story of somebody who was around sports. He lived longer because of them. They became better men because of him. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna miss him. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio ten seventy WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. The holidays are a special time to show your appreciation for the important people in your life. There's no better way to show you care than to give a Susquehanna Life magazine subscription. Stay tuned for a special offer. Hi, this is Erica Shames, publisher of Susquehanna Life magazine. Each issue shines a bright light on all that's positive in our region. Even readers who've lived here all their lives tell us they've learned something new in each issue. When you're thinking unique gifts, I hope you'll think Susquehanna Life. Now is the time to introduce family and friends to the special stories we tell. Stories of history and hope, gratitude and gifts, business and bounty, culture and cuisine, plus how to access outdoor fun in the region's most comprehensive event listing. Right now, in celebration of the magazine's 25-year anniversary, you can give two one-year gift subscriptions for $25. That's a 40% savings. Call 1-800-232-1670 to order. That's 1-800-232-1670. And thanks for making Susquehanna Life a part of your life. Hey, where have you been? Railside Furnishings in Mifflinburg. I'm going back for their after-holiday savings event. You can save up to 30% off their real wood furniture. Everything from modern to rustic styles, and it's all handcrafted. You know you just can't beat the Amish-made craftsmanship. Come with me. They have tours of the workshop and light refreshments, too. Well, I've been looking for a love seat. Perfect. They have bedrooms, dining rooms, indoor, and even outdoor furniture. Okay, I'll drive. Railside Furnishings, Beaver Run Road in Mifflinburg. Railsidefurnishings.com and Facebook. Stop by through Saturday for the after-holiday sales event. We all all know by now that Mountainside Coffee helps me wake up before the roosters crow. But business owners, here's something you may not know. You can get Mountainside Coffee delivered right to your business. 65% of workers drink coffee on the job, and science doesn't lie. Caffeine keeps people focused, alert, and awake, plus improves concentration and memory. And don't you want those qualities in your employees? It's cheaper and easier than you may think. Visit mountainsidecoffee.com. That's mountainsidecoffee.com. A division of Topahawken Mountain Springwater. I've talked about Josiah Vieira on the store, on the show before. In fact, I related a lot of this, I think, the day after the All-Star game because 
of everything. Um, you know, it's you know, I, I check in with Joe Putnam once in a while, and it's, hey, Joe, how's he doing? And he's like, yeah, because Joe had a lot more contact than I did. You know, I, I'll probably, I mean, I've already sent uh, his grandfather a text. Uh, and he got back to me. Um, I may I may send him another one today just to make sure he's doing well. His grandfather, Dave, is, I'm telling you right now, Matt, the, the, the guy, Dave, the handbook on being the greatest grandfather ever. I've heard a lot of good stories. Yeah. yeah. Just awesome. We talk a lot about Josiah. That man, his grandfather, that man, special. Absolutely. Mark, Mark Wogenrich, next half hour. We'll talk with him tomorrow. Eli Gold, play-by-play voice, Alabama. Tom Leach, play-by-play voice, Kentucky. Rich Scarcella and the King, the play-by-play voice of Connecticut. Well, maybe not the play-by-play voice, but some people feel he is Connecticut. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us today. By the way, uh, the uh, <laughs> you know Tony Carr, who was drafted in the second round by the uh, New Orleans Pelicans and uh, is on loan, and loan, I guess, he, whatever. He's still the Pelicans' property. He was playing for Fiat Torino, coached by Larry Brown. Larry Brown and Fiat Torino parted ways today. I saw that. <laughs> there's only there's only a few games left in the season. They're a whopping 5-19. and 19. That didn't last that long, did it? No, let's see. So he lasted, what, 24 games? Yeah, because wasn't this his first season? Yeah. Yeah, but he's coached everywhere. I mean, he's 13, you know, 13 college and a, for between the college, the ABA and the NBA coached 13 teams. But the very capable Paolo uh Galbiati is going to be his replacement for the final 8 games. So I mean, I feel like Tony Carr's in good hands with Paolo running the show. I have no idea who that is. All right, so let's bring in Mark Wogenrich, somebody I do know who he is, from the Allentown Morning Call. Happy holidays, my friend. Great to have you with us. Appreciate it. You too, Steve. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I hope everything's great, great for you. I hope you had a great holiday. Excellent. Yeah, very much. I look forward to the game. Yeah, definitely looking forward to the game. Let's start with the Tommy Stevens part. Um, oh. he, he won't be there in a backup capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he won't, you know, he may he may end up going to the game, but he's not there right now. Just your quick thoughts on that? That was, a, I think, a bit of a bolt. Maybe it explained a little bit of why Trace was playing, probably not at full strength in some of those midseason games. Like uh, after he got hurt, um, you know, later in the season, maybe that kind of uh, explains a little bit of that. You know, I'm wondering if that. If it's something that that's going to keep Tommy, that they needed to address long-term, this is the most important decision, obviously, because you're looking at him for next year. That's the most important thing. And I think the most important thing is you want him ready to go in for spring drills. 
having missed last year, and then having if there's any reason that he would potentially miss the second uh, another spring drills, especially going into being a starter or at least being in, in a competition for starting, that's an important time. So for him to do that, yeah, I would sacrifice this bowl game in order to get him ready for spring, no doubt. How much do you think it helps the decision that Sean Clifford is there? It's got to help it a huge amount. And it, I would also I also would imagine it helps a great deal that you can you can if you need to. You can play Will Levis and he can still redshirt too. That's exactly so that right. Change, yeah, that change makes a huge difference that it, you know, as a if you get a, you know, if it's 35 points and you want to give Will some run late in the game, if it's a big lead, or if you need to play a third quarterback, you could do so too. I think that's a big element. You know, I'd really like to see a little bit more of Sean. He was fun to watch, and you know, in the very limited um, action that we saw, I think a really big arm. I think a pretty big, pretty accurate arm. I think he's going to give. I think he's going to give Tommy a run. In the spring, I would I would imagine Tommy at six four and two thirty is going to be kind of a real good prototype to run that offense. But it's not. I don't really. It, no, I don't think it'll be handed to him, uh, nor should it be. I think Clifford's going to give him a run for that starting job. This is where I give Clifford a lot of credit, and I could probably lend. Probably <laughs> this will be one of those where I'll lend more insight than only because I've seen him a lot more. Mm-hmm. Clifford is a guy that came in, and to be honest with you, Mark, I think of all the guys they have there, I think he throws, quote, the best ball. Like, it just spins out of Yeah, there. you watch a little bit. I yeah. watch those guys when they throw pregame, and you see him throwing from, like, the 40 to the back, um, to the back of the end zone. He he can launch it, and it, it, you know, there's no flutter, it looks like, in his ball. You know, it really just, it just zings out of his hand. It's fun to watch. Which then brings me to the next part. It's the part where, obviously, McSorley can run it. Tommy Stevens obviously mm-hmm. can run it. That's where I give Clifford all the credit. He now has really embraced how to run this offense. Yeah. And I like the way he runs the offense, the way they have it scoped up. He runs the ball pretty well, and it actually is something he had to learn here. Yeah, I guess he probably didn't do a ton of that. In high school, and in in Tommy's case, it almost looks like occasionally when he's playing, when he's just playing that quarterback spot, that he maybe instinctually will run a little quicker um, than he should. That maybe he should be looking to throw a couple of more times, if if only to kind of get better in that situation. That's something I think he's going to have to get better at too, in 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 handling. Uh, when to run versus when to throw, and it probably is a little inverted for the two of them. Sean now understanding that he can run instead of throw, and Tommy vice versa. Right. Now let's bring it, Mark, this to the bowl game itself, to the game. What's the general impression you have of Kentucky? My general impression is that they are going to horsepower Penn State off, or the uh, the run part of that game. Um, I, yeah. You know, having seen now clips of Josh Allen, like I had not really seen him during the season. So kind of catching up with him, man, he moves. Wow, and he's just a powerful he's guy. He's yeah, he's a fast butter, just a really good, uh, just really good at, at at getting into tackles, getting into the backfield, just disrupting. I mean, I just really look at him as being disruptive. That kind of thing, I would, in my impression, is going to put the pressure on Penn State's passing game, which is kind of where 
We saw that a little bit maybe last year as well with Washington. Washington had the defensive line that was really highly thought of, and Penn State handled it, you know, pretty well. I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna make this, you know, they're gonna want Penn State to throw the ball, and that's where I look at. You know, Trace McSorley mentioned, you know, a couple of weeks ago before the game, they want to get back into that big play thing. They had what ten explosive plays against the way they count them against um, Maryland, and that was Maryland. I think that was as many as they had in about the last three weeks, but the previous three weeks combined. I mean, they just got in that stretch with really Michigan and Wisconsin and Rutgers. They just did not have the explosive plays that they were used to. And I think that's probably – I think their offense is going to maybe push in that direction, that so they're going to try to get downfield on this on Kentucky's defense and try to beat them over the top instead of maybe running through them. Yeah, the two – I'll tell you, watching tape, and I've now watched three games. I watched Louisville because it was the last game. Okay. I watched uh, Georgia and I watched Texas A&M. Number one, Allen really stands out because of how quick he is. And not only that, Mark, it's where he lines up. He takes great angles to give himself a better edge. The other guy that really stuck out to me in terms of pure speed and and timing is Mike Edwards, number seven, the safety. He's going to have to be accounted for every time that they run the ball. I think the combination of those, I mean, they, they do get some interceptions. I think, Al, I think Edwards does have has a couple. But, and, and Allen just makes tackles for loss. What, 14, yeah. 14 sacks, something like that? Yes. If he's yes. going to be, Fourth in the nation. you know, yeah, he's going to, the pressure that I think he can put on is going to be, that is going to be a real component that, that Penn State's going to have to be able to handle. Now, offensively, uh, this is what I've noticed about them offensively with Wilson. Uh, he's not a great thrower of the football, but the first series of the game, they usually throw two or three times in the first series of game uh, game to get you thinking that they can throw the ball. Right. In the end, they want to run it. And I, I mean, why wouldn't you with, uh, with Snell? And some of them get some other backs, too. Who's, yeah, I mean, Rose, 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 number ten. Rose, num- no. Rose number 10 is very good. Yeah. I mean, he's what a thirteen hundred yard rusher, Benny Sellers, I guess. Yes, in that range, um, really good yards per carry, average too. I, I think I think Brett Pry said it when we were at the Bowl Media Day. He said something like, "This this is a team that majors in running the ball, or they're you know advanced, you know that that's their dissertation in running the ball, and that's how they're going to do it." Um, so this, I you know, I look at that defensive line for Penn State. I look at those down guys as being real vital, and I think a player. To me, um, I mean, we've seen Micah Parsons make a lot of just really good, you know, open field tackles and you know, good positional tackles this year. This is the kind of game I think where Micah could kind of come out, not saying come out of his shell because he's already done that, but he could really, I think, with having a couple of weeks, um, getting a little bit more, you know, inclined to play that, you know, better position to play linebacker. And maybe feeling a little more confident and aggressive. I think this is the kind of game that he can come out and not just make a lot of tackles, but make really important tackles. Make like make tackles on on third down run stops, or maybe you know get some, catch somebody in the backfield to force a second and long or third and long. That's where I mean he can make you know, kind of you know really game impact plays. Okay, so let's uh, when you've watched the Penn State defense over the last mm-hmm. month of the season, especially the last three weeks. What were they showing you on a week in and week out basis, Mark? I liked I, I liked a little more aggressiveness maybe in their secondary. Um, I thought Nick Scott was really good all year, and he just seemed to get better kind of as the season 
went on. He was one of those players that I've just always liked, even going back. Like, remember him at the Tax Slayer Bowl talking about um, being asked about maybe transitioning to safety way back then. And he took that process a long way to where he's come now. I thought the defensive line just was was a showstopper those those last couple of games between Sharif and Yitor and down guys Windsor um, Kevin Givens they got in they, they just got in on plays they got in they really were so disruptive uh, of the quarterbacks um, Mike it's me again was a real big I think a real big factor and Jan Johnson always seems to be just like that kind of that poised centerpiece in that defense so they they um you know, getting beyond like tackling better, I think that's probably an issue that everybody has. But they just seem to be more comfortable in some of the things they were doing, so that they could play faster and get into um, get into the backfield and get into you know long you know get into like game changing plays that that fourth, like I said before, second along, third and long, that sort of thing. That's what I kind of noticed what they were doing. All right. Uh, now, offensively, uh, the last three weeks especially, a little different competition, but you still ended up playing Wisconsin, Rutgers, Maryland. Uh, where do you think they were better, and did youth at certain spots enter into some of that evaluation? Yeah, it definitely had to. Um, you know, Trace pretty much said that they were that, – that stretch – kind of before Maryland, that they were just inconsistent throwing ball. He felt like he wasn't at his best. And when, you know, when he's not being accurate or somebody else is not running the right route or somebody else is stepping out of a break too early, there were, there were inc- you know, it's just inclinations of over and over and over that one mistake kind of led into more for that passing game. And it looked a little bit better. I think it looked better against Maryland. He, you know, Trace being healthy. I'm sure helped. Uh, my local kid, I'm going to write about him in the next day or so, Jahan Dotson out of Nazareth. Yeah. He's been, I mean, just looking back at some of the plays he's made this year, I mean, going to that Iowa game, I mean, he's made uh, just a level of, not a ton of catches. He's got 12 catches, but eight of them are for first downs. He converted two fourth downs, I think two third longs. He kept them, I, I think... That you could argue that his catch, the fourth down catch against Iowa, was one of the bigger plays of the year because Penn State was trailing at twelve nothing at the time. Really had not much going on, and it was a low kind of on his shoe shoestring catch that he just made um, that made it look pretty easy. And those are the kinds of guys I think. Those are the kinds of guys that they kind of hit some moments um, that got, got him going. Seeing Ricky Slade again those last couple of games, I think he ran. I think he ran pretty strong. And Pat Farmuth, you know, I, I think going into the season, I might have just out of, just out of size, thought Zach Coons probably might have had a little bit of an edge. But uh, Farmuth is really, once you saw him play, you know, he became not just their, not just their kind of their best tight end, but one of their better offensive players. Uh, no question. Yeah. Yeah, no, no question. In fact, Jack Hammond asked me in preseason. He says, "Okay, give me who are the top three freshmen." I said, "Fryermuth, Parsons." I said, "And I said, I said, you may, I said, Jahan Dotson." Mm-hmm. He said, "What is it about Dotson?" Because you know everybody talked about Shorter and Daniel Jordan. Yeah. I said, "Jack, he makes everything look easy to the point where." Okay, will it translate into a game? Because it's and in the game, he does exactly the same thing. The only mistake I saw him make all season in a game 
was the drop against Rutgers. Right. right. That's the only one. The only, in and fact, then there was like a, there was a blocking. I don't remember which game it was. There was a blocking mistake that he made yeah. that you expect from a 170 pound freshman. Yeah. Right. I mean, but that but that's it. I mean, yeah. I mean that's to be honest with you. Over the last five months, I only saw him drop. You know, and I, I mean, I literally see 400 pass plays a week. Literally. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. I mean, people. I remember one yeah. time somebody asked me about Daryl Clark and Pat Devlin. And I said, well, Clark's the better quarterback. He's got the better arm. And everybody told me, no, Devlin's got the better arm. I said, I watched them throw 4,000 passes apiece during the course of the – I said, were you there? I said, you saw him throw 40 in a blue-white game. Right. <laughs> I said, I said, you know, uh, and I saw Dotson drop four or five passes all year. Mm-hmm. Like everything's just natural to him, Mark. It's natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's been that way. I mean, I watched him at the state track meet a couple of years ago in the long jump, and yeah, I, you know, he was effortless on this thing. He was just jumping past people, and it does it's a gliding motion when he runs. It's not a running motion. I mean, this stuff. When I, when I watch him, I understand what people. You know, he may really makes you understand when people talk about somebody making something look easy. It's kind of visual, a visual representation of that, no doubt. Yeah, I, there's no question about it. I mean, I think Shorter and Georgia are both going to be really, really good. This kid's playing because he looked around and said, "We got to play this guy," mm-hmm. because he, you know, yeah. that's what that's what kids have to do. They have to make they have to do something to force you to play them. He was good enough to force them to say, "We got to play him." And not I mean, only that's, that, he that's the great say, part about we're going to we're going to play you in a different position than you started the season at too. You're going to play you right. not you're going to you start a slot receiver and now you're going to go outside learn a new position in a week. You know? Yeah. Which, which he did. And then here's the other neat part, for at least for Penn State. And he's going to UCLA if Jim Moore is still the coach there. When they yep, changed up yeah. to Chip Kelly, he changed mm-hmm. up to Penn State. So, I mean, he was yep. able to stay home. Yeah, a year, about a year ago. <laughs> right now, he was pretty much there. I mean, I think he committed. Well, he was he decommitted in January. He was committed to Penn. So. And his dad, his dad said we were just absolutely shocked when he committed to UCLA. <laughs> well, hopefully they're the, it's a much they easier drive thrilled. for them now from Nazareth. Here, so. right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, it sounds like Matt Millen's uh, doing pretty well on the road to recovery. Yeah, I got a I got a message from his wife Pat um, today that that he was walking a little bit yesterday. They said he's ahead of his recovery schedule, um, saying he's taking doctor's orders, which I find hard to believe. But you know, good for him. I, you know. He, I think he tried to buck some of those orders <clears throat> earlier. On okay, so that's a surprise that he would attempt to do it. <laughs> yeah, he had a nurse, I guess, like uh, covertly uh, sneak him in some fried chicken way back in like October, uh... or like that. But now he's he's doing really well. Um, they, uh, I, you know, they really couldn't be happier with the, with the, the way everything's going so far. So, you no. Know, Definitely, definitely a long yeah. road still, but I really hope to see him uh, get him back in the booth next fall. Yeah, I think I think he's going to make it, um, yeah. which is awesome. And in terms of walking, they do want you walking relatively right. early, mm-hmm. so I'm not surprised that they're having him walk right away. Because when it comes to any kind of heart procedure, they right. actually do because a blood flow, clotting, things like that. Yeah, that sort of thing. But they, you see, they were really um, they were they were really positive about about the match being good about the heart you know right. being a good match for him and actually his body taking to it well so far so there have you know, as far as i know again that 
be two out of turn, but there haven't been any of those sorts of complications yet. Now, that and those are the best parts that you want to uh, uh, that you want to see. Hey, Mark, always a pleasure. I really look forward to seeing you down in Orlando. Yeah, me too. Look forward to it. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, as always. Mark Wogenrich, Allentown Morning Call. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motor. Great to talk with Mark Logan, Rich. Rich Scarcell is going to join us tomorrow. And uh, also Tom Leach, the play-by-play voice of Kentucky football tomorrow, and Eli Gold, the play-by-play voice of Alabama football tomorrow. And the King tomorrow. King is, uh, again, the suit's winning the bowl picks. But the difference is between all of us, like Sean has a career... I have a career. King has a career. This is all the suit has to live for. I mean, out there, anybody out there, tell me I'm wrong. This is all he has to live for. Thus, he does something the rest of us don't do. I I will freely admit, Matt, I do zero research on these games. I love watching them. I enjoy them. I've I've got Duke and Temple on in the background here, although I can't even tell you right now what the score is because I was interviewing Mark. But I was the one nut that stayed up all last night into overtime and watched the Cheez-It Bowl.